Do you like low taxes more than tall buildings? Does quality of life sound like an oxymoron? Do you wish work from home was more about home? Then Ohio is for you. Ohio has a business-friendly climate with 0% taxes on corporate income, R&D investments, and goods sold out of state. With a highly skilled and growing workforce, a low cost of living, and a high quality of life, Ohio is better for businesses and employees. Because Ohio isn't built for followers, they're building for leaders. Check out ohioisforleaders.com to learn more. Ever get homesick for anywhere but home? As you make your return to travel, let the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card help you reach new destinations and find new appreciation for the places you know and love. Expand your world and go boundless with the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card. Learn more at marriottbonvoy.com forward slash chase cards. Cards are issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. That free speech is under assault like never before. Now more than ever, freedom is under its most pressing assault. This is what organizing looks like. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Armed with the media, big tech, and the global elite, the left has control over my generation. It's time to stand up and fight for my generation. It's time to fight back against the teachers who push critical race theory. It's time to fight back against the principals who don't let conservatives come to campus. We have to work together to do this, but it is a worthy fight. And we have no choice. If we lose freedom here, as Ronald Reagan said, there is no place we can escape to. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Let Freedom Ring. I know it's been a while, but uh, the, communist, the com- Chinese Communist Party sorry, uh, came to me directly, injected me with uh, the COVID-19 Delta variant. Um, and then, therefore, I... Uh, you know, I was out of commission for a few days. Took I had to take I took two. I decided to take two take two weeks off. Um, I had to do some packing. Um, I had to get some business done, so I took a few weeks off, and I had to get you know I had to get right. You know, there were a few days where I had a you know I had you know very bad symptoms. I had a fever. I had coughing. All of a sudden, I was dizzy. I was out of it. I was dehydrated. I'm finally starting to get hydrated again. But you know, I had COVID, um, and I had to get right you know you can't can't host podcasts if you cough every two minutes and it sounds like you're hawking you're hawking up a lung uh so that's that that's where i've been uh we're back starting you know we have a great episode today congressman buddy carter uh will be coming on later on the show but we have a great show for you today he's, he's going to be talking about the you know biden's border crisis uh, i want to address something i know that the mic the mic situation probably sounds a bit weird right now um i'm having to use a lavalier mic which if you guys don't know what that is that's a mic that goes directly uh it's the mic that like clips onto your suit uh, instead of using like more of an you know an actual radio mic. I had to use. I'm going through some problems with my microphone right now. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, it, it sounds like it sounds crazy. So I uh, while while Xi Jinping or whatever his name is, President Ping, uh, was sticking me with the COVID. I think he uh, put a, put a nine millimeter bullet in my uh, in my microphone because it wouldn't work. So nonetheless, here we are. Uh, Congress, like I said, Congressman Buddy Carter from my home district will be coming on a little bit later to speak about the southern border speak about uh covid speak about a lot of things he's a great congressman he does a good job and uh you know there's some rumors he's gonna run for the senate so who knows um so now i uh i my name you know i i I, let's restart this you know there's a not a lot of new listeners who haven't listened to all the episodes of this podcast that's been going on for for years at this point 
Um, so my name is Noah Ring. I'm a college conservative activist from the great state of Georgia. Uh, I've traveled throughout the country with Campus Reform, Turning Point USA, multiple organizations, going to multiple events, and I've been able to meet a lot of people, a lot of people my age, a lot of people older. But one thing, one thing is true, and this is something that I, I spoke about today at the Gwinnett uh, County GOP. It's in Georgia. It's uh, one of the bigger counties in Georgia. It's got about a million residents out of a 12 million resident state. Uh, I spoke at their GOP breakfast today, I think close to 150 people. And one thing I was talking about is the left is on the march for my generation. The left wants to capture my generation. Well, because if you look at it, if you look at statistics, Joe Biden's doing terrible. Well, flat out, Joe Biden's doing terrible. You and I can both agree with that. I mean, he's the worst president of my lifetime, and I did live under Obama. But he's the worst president of my lifetime because he's not aware. At least Obama was awake when he was screwing the country and screwing my future up. Joe Biden's not even awake. You know, Joe Biden just here recently when he was asked something about Governor Ron DeSantis, you know, probably the best governor in the state in America, he said, Governor who? And I think he's half right. I think there's a good chance that Joe Biden is no longer with us, that our President Biden has passed away and that Kamala Harris is running the show. Um, so that, that obviously leads to problems because Kamala Harris is, I, I would rather have Joe Biden than Kamala Harris, but that, that's just me. You know, Joe Biden is being handled by the, by the far left, but Kamala Harris is the far left. So, you know, I was speaking today about how Joe Biden's far left policies have led to where 30% of moderates think that the country's, you know, being led the right direction, that the country's in a good, in good hands. And you cannot win when 30% of the moderates like you unless you're running against Donald Trump and, you know, unless they, you know, shave some votes off here and there. So the problem that we're, that we're facing is they're bringing in like 300,000 people a month, I believe was the numbers. There's been over a million people that have been captured at the southern border since January 1st. And Congressman Carter, as you'll hear him say later, every state is a border state. And that's just that's just true. And the real question is why? Why why do they bring so many people in? Why do they have to bring in a million people? Why do they have to, to give these people amnesty? Why? I mean, what's the point? What do you gain? I mean, it's just more people who have to live off welfare. Oh, so these people have to live off welfare. And if you look at the people on welfare, the people on welfare overwhelmingly vote Democrat. These people are literally bussing their voters in. And where are they bussing them to? They're not bussing them to New York and California where they, where you know the Democratic elite live. No, they don't, they don't want them. George Soros and the far-left donors who, who bankrolled President Biden's campaign and Obama and probably all the way back to, to uh, President Carter, Jimmy Carter, that have bankrolled these campaigns, they don't want the illegal aliens living there. I mean, look at it. Cory Bush, Congresswoman Bush from St. Louis, said the other day that, yeah, I'm going to defund the police, but I get private security. So why does she get security? Why does she get armed men with guns? But you and I don't. Because they don't believe the working class matters. They don't believe that a coal miner in West Virginia, if there are any more, or if not, if the left hasn't screwed them, they don't believe that they matter. Well, they matter to me, and they matter to the Republican Party. The Republican Party is the party of the working class. So why are they bringing these people in? Well, they're bringing them in to swing to swing districts. There's a Florida, there's a county in Florida that's not too far away from me. It's called Clay, Clay County, Florida. It encompasses many of the uh, suburbs of Jacksonville, Florida, which is a you know a slightly conservative, bigger city. So it encompasses many of many parts of Jacksonville, Florida. 
Um, and it has, I don't know if you guys are from here, you know, Orange Park, uh, Fleming Island, uh, Green Cove Springs, places like this. They're bringing them into, into moderate to conservative districts so they can change these districts. See, they're not just worried about the president. They don't, they don't just want to swing presidential elections with these people. They want to swing congressional. They want to swing state house, state senate, because they know these people are overwhelmingly voting liberal. I would love to see Joe Biden, President Biden, Sleepy Joe, Creepy Joe, go after and defend the people of Cuba as much as he defends the people of El Salvador. You know what the difference between the people of Cuba and El Salvador are? The only difference is that the people of Cuba overwhelmingly will vote Republican if they become... If if Cuba became the 51st state, which I know just is nowhere in the realm of possibilities, you would have... Two Republican U.S. Senators, Republican Congressman, Republican Governor, Republican State House, Republican... The people in Cuba reject overwhelmingly the wokeism of, Amer- of the American left. And as you're seeing, the American people are rejecting it. If you go look at uh, Ohio's... How was the, I think it was the 11th district. There were two people running in a, in a conservative district, or a slightly conservative district. Uh, one was named Nina Turner... One was named Chantel Brown. And Nina Turner, I hope I get this right, Nina Turner was national co-chair for Bernie Sanders' campaign or chair of, co-chair of Ohio or something like that and all this stuff. Chantel Brown is a return to normalcy, is uh, Joe Biden, is uh, Barack Obama, and James Clyburn, the uh, very smart and very honorable, very honorable James Clyburn of South Carolina, uh, came out and he, he endorsed Chantel Brown. And so what you're seeing is Chantal Brown ended up winning, uh, I think ever so slightly, but she ended up winning even though she has no name recognition in this district. And uh, Nina Turner has, is uh, a county commissioner in the biggest county in this district and all this stuff. Well, Chantal Brown ended up winning because you see the American people, because I think the people of Ohio are very much similar to the people of Georgia, you know, just average everyday people who go to work and come home, and they just want a safe neighborhood, and they want low crime. Well, these people are are rejecting it. I mean, AOC stopped into, I want to say it's the 11th district, and they, she said to them that, she said that, um, hey, send me Nina Turner. I need Nina Turner to get my job done. First off, you're not the Speaker of the House. But it goes to show you that her saying stuff like this, she believes she is the Speaker of the House. She believes that she is in control, and she probably is, because Joe Biden's not going to stand up to her. He's too afraid of the far left. If he could stand up, then why would he be doing all the far left things that he's doing? Why would he be canceling all, all of the four years of Donald Trump? The worst cancel culture that's coming to America right now is not celebrities and not politicians getting canceled for saying you know, crazy things. It's the canceling of the America First agenda. It's giving... This country, our country that our founding fathers guaranteed to us, that was given to us by George Washington, saved by, by Abraham Lincoln, and fought for and saved again by Donald Trump. It's giving that to people who don't live here. It's giving that to the elite, to the people who don't understand you and I. Why do you think West Virginia in the past 15 years has gone from a safe haven Democrat state to one of the reddest states in the country? Because people are, are understanding that the Democratic Party sells out all of the time for the left. They sell out 24-7 for the left. They sell out for the money. They care about Manhattan and Malibu. They don't care about Main Street. 
I care about Main Street, and so does most Republicans. I would like to give a speaking of Ohio. I'd like to give a special a special uh, congratulations to Mike Carey, who won uh, his um, you know eventually going to going to be the next congressman uh, from a very red district in uh, Ohio. I want to say Ohio 15. Um, he won. He was the pre- he was Trump's candidate in that race. Um, he won, so he'll he'll be the next congressman there. I mean. The only reason why there's a special election there is because uh, that congressman stepped down to be the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce of Ohio or something like that. So uh, shout out to Mike Carey. I know a lot of his uh, his volunteers and his workers do listen to the show. Um, I think actually we might be getting Mike Carey on before the general. I think I, I think I saw in an email here recently. So that'd be good for him. That'd be good. Uh, you know, I, I I always hey if you're listening to this and you know a candidate, I mean the person we had on uh, the show before we ended, Anthony Patoko. Antonio Patoco, sorry. Um, <clears throat> he came on because actually one of his one of his staffers or something reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, I, I listened to your show. I'd love to get Antonio Patoco on." And I said, "Hey, sure, I'm down. I, I always like it one because it's easier. It's a little bit easier for me because I can just you know it's easier to come up with a few questions to ask a candidate than it is to come up with 20, 30 minutes of of material, but." Yeah, if you're listening, and I, mean, I don't even care if you are running for anything, if you're just interesting, shoot me an email, noah at noahring.org. Um, I'd love for you to come on. So yeah, so we'll have, a, we'll have, like I said, we'll have Congressman Carter on here in about, about 15, 20 minutes. Um, but I, I do want to spend a few minutes talking about uh, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, as I'm sure all of you guys are aware, Andrew Cuomo is under assault uh, for assaulting women. He's, he's under the, the, uh, the, let's take a step back. So there's this thing called, if Fox News says something, Newsmax, uh, OANNN, anything, if they say something, it must be the anti, we, the, you got to do the opposite. Because, you know, all these organizations I just listed are far-right extremes. They're, they're on the far right, they're extremists, and they believe in crazy stuff. So Andrew Cuomo, as everyone's aware, has been touching people inappropriately for the better part of a decade. This has been known forever. I mean, I remember making fun of him about it four or five years ago. Well, now, Bill de Blasio has said something that is good that I will probably never agree with Bill de Blasio ever again in my life. But he said, hey, this is crazy. He said, what are you doing? And he's like, it's not old-fashioned. Because some so there is a certain you know sect of politics, old-fashioned politics, that was very, it's called retail politics. So you go, you give people hugs, you shake hands, you kiss babies. It's the politics you see in TV. And there, that is a certain thing. And the, there have been people who have been quote-unquote canceled because they're more old-fashioned, and they give people hugs, and they give people, you know, they kiss people's hands and stuff, and I guess it makes people feel uncomfortable sometimes. Well, those people obviously didn't grow up in the South, because down here, I mean, you hug, and you do all that. Well, Andrew Cuomo does not necessarily do that. Governor Cuomo sticks his hands up women's blouses and stuff like that. That's not old-fashioned. Okay, whatever old-fashioned you're coming from, Cuomo, we need to talk about that, because that is not normal. That's not okay, and it's not right. But as you're seeing, he's not going to resign. You know who else didn't resign? Ralph Northam. There was a lot of backlash. Everyone in the, in the Democratic Party called on him to resign. I mean, Joe Biden called on him to resign. President Obama called on him to resign. And he didn't resign. He's still the governor. He's running for re-election. Hopefully he loses. But as you recall, Governor Northam was the governor who either had... He, now listen, we couldn't tell. We couldn't prove without a reasonable doubt whether or not he had blackface on or he was wearing a KKK outfit. It was one of the two. We knew it was one of the two. We couldn't confirm which one it was because he didn't remember. 
Now, I don't know how you don't remember. I remember some costumes. I, you know, I, I was a ninja once, and I think I was a cop one year, and I, I should probably be defunded for that. But what, what you're seeing is hypocrisy. Imagine if it came out that Donald Trump Jr. or Donald Trump or Eric Trump or any of the Trumps, or any Republican for that matter, 20, 30, 40 years ago in a med school yearbook wore either KKK outfit, a Klan hood, Klan outfit, or wore blackface. They would resign. and they, You see, before Bill Clinton, the thing was, if you started to get unpopular and stuff, you resigned. You know, Richard Nixon could have, could have got impeached. He probably would have got impeached. He resigned. He's the only president in history to resign. But it happens a lot more, obviously, with congressmen, mayors, senators, governors, because there's a lot more. I mean, there's one president and there's 50 governors. As you'll remember, Al Franken resigned recently uh, because it was bad for the Democratic Party. And that's, that's the message. Democrats only have standards... When having standards helps them win elections. If this happened right before the 2022 midterms, Andrew Cuomo would have resigned. Because it would be good for the brand. Right? The only reason Al Franken resigned is because it was during the whole Roy Moore thing. Where, you remember, Roy Moore was a, uh, was quote-unquote, a, a rapist or this, that, the other. And Alabama elected a Democrat, which doesn't happen very often. It's a plus, like, 30, 40 Republican state. I think every congressman from Alabama is a Republican. But the Republicans in Alabama would not elect Roy Moore, and so he lost. And so Doug Jones was the senator there for a few years. He's been replaced with, I believe, I believe it was Tommy Tuberville who replaced him. Um, could be wrong. It was in the last session, so I think it was Tommy Tuberville. Also, I think uh, there's a new Senate race going on right now in Alabama, and uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't typically ever endorse in races, but I think Mo Brooks would do, will do a good job. I've uh, been able to meet Representative Brooks one one or two times. Spoke with him. He's a good, nice guy. Um, but getting back to it, Cuomo, Cuomo's not going to resign. Cuomo will not resign. Take it to the bank. He will not resign. You know why he won't resign? Because he doesn't want to. There's talks about whether or not he'll be impeached and convicted. And it very well could happen, but I don't think it will. Because it hurts Democrats in New York. Now, the Attorney General of... New York released a 120-some-odd-page report detailing 11 or 12 sexual assault, uh, I guess, accusers of Cuomo and called them credible. And President Biden has called on him to resign, but he won't resign. He's not going to. doesn't matter now. I mean, you know, the, the, you know the, they're going to elect a de- It doesn't matter in terms of policy, no. There's this belief that if, you know, a Republican resigns, then a Democrat takes over. That's just not how it works, right? I mean, there was a case last year where a you know it was for a city council and one of the uh one of the candidate who won it actually ended up dying on election day and instead of just the other candidate taking over the uh there was a special election i mean so there there would be a the, the lieutenant governor would take over and front you know republicans don't win anything other than saying hey democrats are rapists but he should resign he absolutely should because what he did was despicable but he won't He's not going to resign. If he's going to resign, he would have by now. And guess what? Nobody's really even talking about it anymore. Nobody's talking about Cuomo anymore because it doesn't matter because the new story has changed. Politicians have learned that if they can hold out the storm for two, three weeks, it'll be okay. But you know who hasn't called on Andrew Cuomo to resign? Chris Cuomo, his brother. You know, the one who is paying attention to COVID like no other. He's paying attention to COVID the way Adam Schiff paid attention to Russia, to the Russia collusion. 
and they're both about as deadly. The Trump derangement syndrome, I think, has killed more people than this pandemic. So let's shift gears again. I want to talk about what I think is the future of the young conservative movement. I want to talk about the future of the conservative movement because I think it really is important. You see, I think, so a couple of things. I'm very conservative, right? I, I, I am for as little government as fiscally and feasibly possible, right? I understand, you know, I'm not the libertarian, right? And I understand that there needs to be government and that without government, we won't really succeed as a country. You know, I'm not an anarchist and, you know, I, I'm a libertarian conservative, I believe that we need government. I believe in peace through strength. I believe in having a. I would like to have a very strong military with a, but a, a very big reservists that are ready at, at a moment's notice. Right? I'm for peace through strength, but I'm not. I believe that the future of the Republican Party is a big tent Republican Party, and, and what does that mean? Right? Obviously, I I can't stand Mitt Romney. I would never vote for Mitt Romney in a in a primary, but. I understand that Mitt Romney, there are millions and millions of people who vote Republican and agree with Mitt Romney. And I understand that if we kick people like Mitt Romney out of the party, we'll be bad. We won't won't win. So I think that the smart thing moving forward is to to get people like Mitt Romney to to be what conservatives were 20 years ago. Where conservatives kind of begrudgingly had to vote for the pro-war candidate, the pro-big uh, you know, big business candidate. Let's make it to where moderates and more rhinos and stuff like that have to vote for the conservative candidate. That's the goal. But the thing is, we need those moderates, and we need to start attracting moderates. The, the, I think a winning platform is a simple platform, right? I got a buddy named Joe Borelli who's been on the, who came on the show a couple of months ago, and probably should get him on soon to talk about the Cuomo thing. So... He is running for re-election to uh, city council in, um, in in New York City, and he put out a campaign ad, and it was simple. All it showed was, well, I think he I think he's on Staten Island or Long Island, I don't know. All it showed was, it said, "Hey, my borough, our borough, because I guess there's like five boroughs in New York City. My borough, our borough, is not the same. We don't look like them. Why should we elect someone like them? Right?" And it showed the city burning, and it showed cops being like spit on and stuff like that and he said elect me i'll fund your police i'll fight to put your kids in school that's a simple winning message that would win over in middle america so i think that our message needs to be very simple i think we need to run on funding the police not defunding the police we need to run on funding the police we need to run on trying to fix uh america and make america great again and we need to run we need to run on a couple of things like three small things low taxes Individual responsibility and rights, pro-life. If you believe in those three things, to me, you're a Republican. If you and I disagree on foreign policy, you can be a Republican. You know, I disagree with a lot of people on foreign policy because I have a very weird foreign policy thing, which I should probably go into eventually one day. I think that's the future. And I tell you this because Republicans get attacked and called racist all the time, but I want to tell you a story that I didn't even know, and I learned uh, a couple of weeks ago watching a TikTok video. So as everyone knows, Richard Nixon, as we spoke about him earlier in the podcast, he had to resign, and Gerald Ford took over. Well, Gerald Ford, before he was, you know, a congressman and a governor and all, and a pre- I think he was, no, not a governor, congressman and president and everything. He was, he was a, a, a an all star, 
a, whatever. He, he was a very good college football player at the University of Michigan. Well, I believe it was Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech wanted to play Michigan in the 1970s, but they would they they would play on one condition. They would play on the condition that the two black people, uh, the two black athletes for Michigan didn't play. Well, there was this one young kid on the team who was infuriated at the idea that their teammates wouldn't be able to play. and But Michigan wanted to play Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech was one of those household names. Thank God they aren't anymore because go dogs. I go to the University of Georgia. But Georgia Tech was a household name. Well, this guy named Gerald, he, he worked and he figured out a way and he campaigned for it. And the black athletes ended up being able to play. And that guy ended up being president. That's a story they don't tell you. You know why they don't tell you that story? Because that story doesn't help the notion of, hey, we are the Republican Party. We are the party of inclusion. No, the Democrats want to call our party racist. The Democrats align and attack our party all the time. Because we're racist. Did you know? Did you know you're racist because you want low taxes and you don't want you know, a million babies a year being killed? You're an absolute racist for that. You are absolutely crazy. You are racist. You shouldn't even exist. You shouldn't be able to have bank accounts. All because you believe that. Stuff that used to be common sense back in the day. But now you're, you're, you're an extremist and you're a right-wing Nazi and right-wing dissident because you believe in this. This is crazy stuff, folks. If you believe that your kids should be able to be in school without a mask, you're, you're a domestic terrorist in their eyes. This is, this is crazy stuff. But without further ado... Joining us now is Congressman Buddy Carter. Congressman, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. So, Congressman Carter, thank you so much again for coming on. So, many people listening, many of my listeners understand that big tech is a real issue that we really do need to get to the bottom of. Uh, You have been tasked with serving on the big tech task force. Can you go into kind of what uh, what the idea is for that and how you'll be, be serving the people? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, you are absolutely correct. Um, The woke socialist left has taken over social media, and it it really is sad. They are suppressing conservative voices. There's no question about it. I mean, you only have to look as far as as our former former president, Donald Trump, and they've silenced him. And listen, if they can silence Donald Trump, they can silence you and I. And, And that's something all of us should be concerned about. And you know, I believe in freedom of speech, and, and I believe that it's extremely important, but we've got to address this. We've got to address this in the sense that uh, if, if we don't stop it, it's, it's going to obviously have a negative impact on our, on our country. And we know how strong and how powerful the platforms are now, and everybody recognizes that. Um, you know, I, I, the, the committee, the, the task force is essentially what it is. The task force that I've been appointed to by Leader McCarthy is, is really to address big tech and to address this situation with how they are, are abusing their powers that they have and how they are um, really promulgating and, and really um, helping out the socialist left and by suppressing conservative voices. And, and Noah, I, th- I think you've even had this experience that, um, you know, you, you've had your, your um, accounts closed down before. And so, you know, to think that it only happens to someone like the former president is erroneous. It happens to all of us. I mean, we have members of Congress. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene consistently is having her accounts closed down or suspended. Um, 
you know, you may not necessarily always agree with Marjorie, but I will tell you, I don't think that she, I, I, I don't think that she should be suspended or, or her account should be shut down. There's, and, and that, you know, you look at it and it only happens with conservative voices. Why doesn't it happen with the left? It, I don't know of any instances where it's happened with them. And there is misinformation spread by the left all day long. There's no question about that. But again, the task force will be charged with the mission of, of how we address this. Uh, there's a Section 230 that uh, essentially what has happened that over time the platforms have, have hidden behind it, if you will, and said that it gives them the, uh, the cover that they need to, to do what they're doing. And, and that's what we are addressing, is, and that's what we're going to address essentially is Section 230 and how we... Um, how we deal with it going into the future. So I'm looking forward to, to my time on this task force. I'm looking forward, and not only on the task force, but we're addressing it in energy and commerce, the subcommittee, or excuse me, the committee that I serve on, and particularly in the telecommunications subcommittee. Um, this is something that we will be working hand in hand with the um, administration, or with the folk, with the um, uh, with the committee on, with the um, task force. So that'll be very important. So, Congressman, if you don't mind me asking, I know that not everything that happens in Congress is necessarily uh, to pass legislation. Sometimes it's to bring awareness. Sometimes it's to, you know, call out certain things. So what do you really see being the end-all, be-all of this committee? Do you guys like studying to figure out what kind of legislation, you know, could be proposed, you know, maybe in the next Congress? Uh, whenever we take back over, hopefully, if we win the House, uh, do you see it as maybe something that is kind of like a recommendation for lawsuits? Like, what, what do you really see coming out of this? Well, that's a good point, Noah, and you are absolutely correct. Um, it is going to result in legislation. We are already uh, the task force in, com- in, in, in consultation with the Energy and Commerce Committee. We are already working on legislation to address this. The point is well taken, and that is we're in the minority right now, and you know it's going to be difficult to get this passed. I mean, why would the left give up one of their tools in their toolbox? And essentially, that's what the platforms have turned out to be. That's what big tech has turned out to be, a tool in their toolbox. And they're not going to give that up uh, unwillingly. But we're going to be taken back to House in a year and a half. We're, we're going to be in the majority, and hopefully we'll do the same thing in the Senate. And when we get back into control, then that'll give us the opportunity to pass legislation. I don't know that um, we can expect, or I don't know how much we can expect out of the judicial branch here in the next, in the near future. I, I hope that there will be some, but um, I suspect that that you're not going to see a whole lot from the judicial branch at all. Well, I think I think. Thank you so much for for, for clarifying that. Um, I do want to get to another uh, another question that I, I you know I told them a couple episodes ago. Hey, I'm, I'm having a congressman come on in the next couple of weeks, and I've been talking to some of my you know really good listeners uh, who have supported me for years, and they wanted me to ask you: Is Nancy Pelosi actually like this crazy, this senile when she believes that you can only really catch COVID on certain halves of the rotunda? Do, do, do you mind explaining this for people who have no idea what we're talking about? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Keep in mind that the, the Congress, the, um, the Capitol building, is you've got the Senate on one side, you've got the House on the other side, separated by the rotunda. And the dividing line in the middle of the rotunda 
if you go to the House side, the Speaker has mandated that we wear masks. But on the Senate side, you don't have to wear masks. I took part in a mask march last Tuesday where we actually had our mask on, walked out of the House, passed the halfway point of the Capitol under the rotunda, took off our mask and walked over to the Senate. And we did it in protest to show the idiocracy, if you will, of what the Speaker is trying to do here. And, and I don't think the Speaker understands. I know what she's trying to do. She's trying to control this. And that's what the Democrats want to do. That's what the socialists want to do. They want to control our behaviors. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. But what she doesn't realize that she's doing is undermining the, the, the vaccination. Now, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm all in favor of the vaccine. As a healthcare professional, as a pharmacist, I believe that uh, vaccines are the single most life-saving innovation ever in the history of medicine. Vaccines have saved more lives in the history of medicine and the history of mankind than anything else. And I believe that Operation Warp Speed will go down as being one of the greatest medical achievements of our generation. And the reason I believe that is because we came up with three safe and effective vaccines in, uh, in a shorter period of time, in less than a year. Um, being a member of Congress and being a healthcare professional, I wanted to set a good example. So I went through the clinical trials myself. Um, I went through the clinical trials with Pfizer. In fact, just um, about two weeks ago, I got the booster shot. And I went through the clinical trial. I don't know whether I actually got placebo or the booster because it is a double-blind study. But my point is, is that I'm trying to set a good example because I do believe in the vaccine. Now, I respect people's right to turn it down. I, I do not believe that we should have a mandate. Just like we shouldn't have a mask mandate, we shouldn't have a vaccination mandate. However, as a healthcare professional, as a member of Congress, I believe strongly that it is safe and effective and that I would encourage people to get in touch with your family, get in touch with your doctor, and consult with them and make a decision. Don't make a decision based on what the government says, but make a decision based on what your family and your doctor say. That is the key here. It should This decision should not be made between a person and the federal government. It shouldn't be mandated. It should be made between a person and their family and their physicians. So, Congressman Carter, um, I do want to ask you a question because I know that what, what let's say somebody like me, right? I have an audience of tens of thousands, uh, maybe if not hundreds of thousands of people throughout the country, and many of which are skeptical of of the vaccine. And obviously, President Trump was one of the first people to get the vaccine, um, and it was a big campaign thing for him with Operation Warp Speed, showing that hey, sometimes. You know th that the private market is more effective than government, which you and I both know that it is. What is your message to people if you were uh, sainted the way that Anthony Fauci is? What would you be saying to people um, throughout the country uh, in terms of like why they should get the vaccine? G give me, give me your elevator pitch. Well, first of all, there is a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misinformation um, on the internet. There's a lot of misinformation that is being spread out there. A couple of things here. First of all, I would much rather have the vaccine than the virus. I, I would, and, and, you know, this is important for people to understand. Is the vaccine perfect? No. They, and there is no perfect drug. You have to understand that. Listen, I'm a pharmacist. I know this. And I've, I've, I've experienced this over many, many years of practicing pharmacy. There is no perfect drug. But this vaccine is effective. 
and it is safe. Yes, there are rare incidents where you have problems, but for the vast majority, the vast majority, 99.9% of the population, you don't have any problem, and you don't get the, the virus. And again, I'd much rather have the, the vaccine than I would rather have the virus. That's very important to remember. That's why I encourage everybody, as I say, to, to make sure you consult with your doctor and your family, uh, religious leaders. That, that too, is uh, you know something that should be taken in consideration. I certainly want to be respectful of people's um, uh, of people's faith. If there's a reason that they don't feel like they should give it, get it because of their faith, and I'm certainly respectful of that as well. So, Congressman Carter, I know since the last time I seen you a couple of months ago, you've made two trips to the border. Uh, one of which you told me you were going down with uh, the doctors' caucus, and the second one you went down with uh, President Trump, I believe. So, what? Uh, what? You know, you being the average American will not go down to the border, you know, because they're working and they're trying to, you know, actually build a family and build a life and build a country. Um, what can you tell us actually is going on at the border? I mean, you've seen it firsthand twice now. What? What? What's? What's happening at our southern border? Well, it is beyond a crisis. It is a disaster. Uh, since the first of the year, we've had 1.1 million people, illegal immigrants, cross that border that we know of. And listen, I've been to the border twice this year. I went back in March, and I went back in, in March. I went with the doctor's caucus as a pharmacist. I'm a member of the doctor's caucus in Congress. We wanted to see uh, about the unaccompanied children and the, the care that they were getting, the health care that they were getting. I went back with President Trump in the 1st of June, and um, there were a couple of reasons that I wanted to go back. First of all, Kamala Harris, the czar, the, the border czar, um, had been down there the week before, and the only reason she went was because Donald Trump announced that he was going, and she wanted to get down there before he went down there. Unfortunately, she didn't go to the right place. She went to El Paso, with about 800 miles away from where the epicenter of the problem is in the Rio Grande Valley sector in McAllen, where we've been, where we went, where the president went, and I went both times this year. And it, it is a full-blown disaster. I mean, if you look at what's happening, it's a threat to our national security. It's a threat to our health of our country. Those people are not being tested for COVID. They're, some of them are being tested, but they are all being released into, in, into a society and people can sit back and they can think, oh, this is just a border problem. This is only in Texas and, and Arizona and New Mexico and California. No, every state has become a border state because they are sending those illegal immigrants. They're sending them to every state. They're sending them to Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, everywhere. And that makes every state a border state. And they, they may be... And they may be infected with the COVID-19 vaccine, spread it around. They certainly haven't been uh, vaccinated yet. That's a big problem. I'd like to tell you about um, a couple other things. First of all, keep in mind that we're not only talking about illegal immigrants crossing that border, but we're also talking about illegal drugs. Since the first of the year, the first four months of this year, enough fentanyl was seized at that border to kill every American four times over. I want to repeat that. The first four months of this year, enough fentanyl was seized at the border to kill every American four times over. And again, where's that fentanyl going? It's going to your community, my community. It's going everywhere. It's not just at the border. It's infesting all of our communities. 
and that is a big problem. This is the last thing I want to say about the border. Last week, before I left Washington, I introduced legislation, the Empowering Local Law Enforcement Act. Empowering Law Enforcement. What that does is to give state and local law enforcement the ability to enforce the, the, the regulations dealing with illegal immigrants in our country. Now, that ability has been taken away from Customs and Border Patrol agents at the border by the Biden administration. But what my bill does is to give them that ability, give state and local law enforcement the ability to detain, to, to arrest, and to, to deport illegal immigrants in our communities. And I think that's extremely important. The Biden administration has no clue what's going on. They have a clue but they, have no, they, don't, they don't have any desire to stop what's going on down there at all. And I think that is just despicable. Congressman, I want to thank you again for coming on, but I do have a, a one more question for you. Um, are the Democrats at least making these illegal immigrants who are fleeing into our country, are they at least making them wear masks? Uh, you know, I, it, it would make me feel better if the Democrats were at least making these illegal aliens wear masks. No. <laughs> I didn't see any of them with masks. Listen, we went out there at 11.30 one night, and they were just flocking across the border. All right, so I got it. There's no masks, no masks inside. Gotcha. We've cleared that up. Are they vaccinated? Are they are they getting vaccinated? Are they getting the Johnson & Johnson Fauci-ouchie in their arm? No. They're not. I suspect that less than 1% are vaccinated. Gotcha. So what you're saying is the only standards Democrats have are double standards. Gotcha. Gotcha. Absolutely. So, Congressman, I, I want to thank you again for coming on. Where can people uh, keep up with the process of the act? The, uh, I believe it was called the Empowering Law Enforcement Act that you just brought up. Where can people stay in touch with that, stay in touch with your office, and learn learn more about you and learn about everything you're doing for, for the country? Yeah. Well, they can go to our website, um, and, and certainly our website is – and we have a weekly newsletter that I'm very proud of, and I hope that everybody will subscribe to that. I go day by day, everything that I do, and, and by the top issues of the week. So that comes out on Sunday mornings, and I would encourage everyone to just Google Buddy Carter, Congressman Buddy Carter, and you can go to our website. You can sign up for the newsletter that will keep you abreast of all the information. Congressman, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. I want to spend a special thank you again to Congressman Carter for coming on. I know that... Uh, I want to send uh, prayers off to him as well. I know that as he's dealing with the loss of his father. Um, but shifting back into it, you know, one, let's talk about how great America is. I mean, the, the fact that I, at 19, about to turn 20, I turn 20 in, a, in, a couple, in about two weeks, that I am able to interview con- people in Congress. That, that is just crazy. I'm able to influence and interview people in the United States House of Representatives and the United States Senate. That, 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 that's, that's crazy to me. Um, but I do want to let you know that, you know, we're starting this Monday, obviously, the episode this coming out Monday, um, that we are back. We are coming out every, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three times a week. Uh, share with your friends. We're quickly growing. Um, I want to thank Congressman Carter again for coming on. I want to thank you all for supporting me. And I got many emails. Hey, Noah, I haven't heard a podcast recently. Are you okay? I'm okay. You know, just got the got the Chinese Communist Party in my, in my respiratory system. But I, I'm back now. I'm good now. Traveling, you know, still traveling throughout the state. I'm, I'm doing this one. Uh, from my new office in Athens, Georgia. So if you're around Athens, Georgia, you know, let me know. Uh, we'll be he- trying to be here a couple of days a week uh, to record all the podcasts. Uh, still traveling throughout the state. I got to go down to. Uh, I'll be in uh, Augusta, Georgia, August 28th 
uh, to do is to speak at their morning breakfast. I always get invited to speak at the morning breakfasts. And one, it's cool because free food. But two, man, that's a drive that early in the morning. So I'll be staying, uh, you know, at a friend's house the night before. But I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you know, I'll be traveling throughout it. I'm about to uh, launch something on my website that'll let you know everywhere that I'm booked. Um, so if you're in the area, you can come see. I know most of my listeners are in the state of Georgia. So if you're around um, August 28th, please come on, come on out. Let uh, let a uh, I believe it's Columbia County. Uh, Augusta is split between like a Columbia County and Augusta or uh, Richmond County, so it kind of gets confusing sometimes. But come on out. Uh, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Ring. This is not the end, rather the beginning of a movement that will carry my generation into freedom. Thank you, and I'll see you next time. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Ever get homesick for anywhere but home? As you make your return to travel, Let the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card help you reach new destinations and find new appreciation for the places you know and love. Expand your world and go boundless with the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card. Learn more at marriottbonvoy.com forward slash chase cards. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.